Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Ticket Weeknights. Okay, here's the deal with Nicole. Live from Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. She's just going to tell it like it is. Nicole is, uh, she's very wise. Sometimes you're not going to like it. Here is your host, Nicole Griffin. All right, welcome in. Happy Monday night. No Nicole Griffith. Obviously, this is not her speaking. Nick Sander with you. Nicole is out of town once again. I think she's heading to a wedding. I don't know. I saw a picture of Whataburger um, on one of her social media pages. So I th- she must be, I mean, she has to be somewhere where there's a Whataburger. But uh, Nick Sander with you. Harrison Orange joins me. What's up, Harrison? Not much. Stepping in here. Um, yeah, I think it is a wedding. I think that oh, is yeah. correct. So I know it's a I know it's a wedding. So it's actually kind of funny. So she told me that she was going to be gone a couple weeks ago because I remember on air or before we came on air, she was telling me how uh, I guess it would have been two weeks ago that she was not going to be here today, and I thought, oh wow, so it's not going to happen. Now it's going to be two straight weeks of no Nicole on the uh, Monday show because obviously we had last Monday off because of Memorial Day. So. Once again, just Nick Sander with you. Harrison's going to be hanging out with me as well. Got a lot of stuff to get to. We are going to talk a little Women's College World Series, talk NBA Finals, um, college baseball regionals are going on right now as we speak. Vanderbilt, who's kind of been a staple in college football the last couple, or college football, college baseball, (laughs) the last couple years is losing 6-5 6-5 to five on the road at Oregon State, so we'll kind of keep you guys updated there. It was interesting. So Oklahoma and Florida started at, I believe, noon today. They are in a weather delay. They have been in the, a weather delay for approximately four hours, if not more. So it's down in Florida. I know there's like a, a storm and, and rain down there in Florida, so who knows if they're going to be able to finish that game uh, so we'll kind of keep you updated on that. The Stillwater Regional that featured 100 runs total or combined in the last three days. That final game from Stillwater starts at 6 p.m., so we'll keep you updated on Arkansas-Oklahoma State as we go along. But then also, there will be some Husker football stuff, um, all, all that stuff. Bipolar says this on the text line, as always, 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline. The Sarder Heyman text line, both those open for you guys the entire two hours. So you guys get me from 6 to 8. Harrison, like I said, will be here. The rest of the schedule is pretty similar. We'll have the deep end uh, with Reagan at 8 to 9. And then at 9 to 10, we'll have talking tens with the Husker gymnasts to round out your Monday night for ticket weeknights. So uh, quick correction. It's actually going to be reruns tonight. So if okay, you, if thank you, you actually missed... Uh, one-on-one with DP. We'll run that after this show. And then awesome. soon after that, if you miss Sunday Morning Pancakes, those guys are back. Okay. So if you missed that, you can catch that from uh, 9 to 11. Awesome. So there you go. Thank you. You might have to remind me on yeah, that. Yeah, you bet. Because uh, it was ingrained in my mind. So once again, 402-464-5685. Would love the interaction from you guys 
Uh, a lot of stuff to get to. Bipolar says this, bleep the Vandy Whistler. So, funny story about the Vandy Whistler. Um, we, I, I was in Omaha for the this College World Series final back when Vanderbilt played Virginia for the final. So I went to, I think it was game two, because at that time I had never seen a national champion crowned. And I was like, you know what? General admission tickets aren't too bad. And that was something that's so great about the College World Series is that they're reasonable for everybody. So even if you were at that time, if I was like 16 or 17 bucks, me and my teammates were like, yeah, let's, let's, let's freaking go to the college world series. Let's hit up TD Ameritrade park. We'll all carpool. We'll all be good to go. And so we, we went up there cause they were super cheap tickets. We ended up sitting or standing, I should say in the, on the third base side where Vanderbilt was. Because if you've ever been to TD Ameritrade or now it's Charles Schwab, the Schwab, um, or if, if you're Rico, you call it the Chuck. If you've been to Charles Schwab Field, up on the actual concourse, you have these like ledges that people can put their drinks on, or, or maybe they were even water fountains at the time. I, I don't know. Either way, th- there was nobody there. And so we got general admission tickets for the outfield, but then we were able to scoot up, and when we were walking around on the concourse, we just stood there for the whole entire game and watched Vanderbilt and Virginia, Virginia ended up winning game two. So then they had to play a game three, but that was the first time that I had actually known about or found out about the Vandy Whistler. And you were standing up there and he was probably four or five rows in front of me. And every single pitch, he's just making that, that trademark sound whistling that trademark sound. And it's like, holy crap, this game's going to, it's going to be a long game. And now I was watching it on TV, like in in recent years and you hear it on TV and it's like, this guy is everywhere. And so I I honestly haven't watched Vanderbilt or the, I should say the Corvallis regional to where Oregon state's hosting, but I don't know if if the Vandy Whistler is on the road or travels with them to regionals or if it's just a, a college world series thing. Yeah. I actually want to say I went, it would have been 2017 college world series and i didn't really know what the vandy Wilson was a thing mm-hmm. and it was that 20 i want to say 2019 or 18 season it was they were playing vanderbilt i think it might have been like arizona and vanderbilt yeah he was there <laughs> and that, i didn't put it together until this guy came back up uh in recent news and i was like that's a real thing i was hearing that guy so he, he must be just road traveling he must have been doing it for a long time so I, how do you feel about the the marlins man do you know about the do you know about the marlins man no you gotta fill me okay on so this marlins man is a guy that just travels to all the top games in, in major league baseball he's he's even started weaning his way towards um like call, collegiate athletics and, and other stuff as well. But he's a guy that sits always directly behind home plate or very close to it, and he wears a bright orange Miami jersey, Miami Marlins jersey. But he's trademarked as like the Marlins man. And this guy, he doesn't he doesn't make any noise. He just sits there, but he's always in either World Series, like World Series games, NBA finals. Uh, I haven't seen him at the Super Bowl. College World Series, he heads out here. Like, this Marlins man is everywhere. So if you're on the text line, 402-464-5685, if you've seen the Marlins man or if you have feelings on the Marlins man, let me know. Once again, 402-464-5685. I should continue previewing the show here before we get too far. Um, we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll talk a little Husker football I, I want to see where we're at um, with Casey Thompson. Are, are we positive that Casey Thompson's going to be the starting quarterback? I, immediately you say yes, but what if it doesn't 
work out as well as Nebraska fans are expecting or hoping. Because, once again, and I've talked about this on, on my daily show, if you look at the stats from Casey Thompson, they're not super exciting right off the page. Right? They're not... They're not how is it? What's it called? Flowing off the page of, of excitement, if that makes sense. They're not ex- like super, super yeah, great not stats. Eye popping by any Thank means. you, eye popping. Gee whiz, <laughs> I had I had a tough time thinking of that word. So eye popping stats off. I mean, but and he had more weapons than you could argue Adrian Martinez did. Now I don't want to make this an Adrian Martinez discussion. I want to make this more of a Casey Thompson, Logan Smothers, Chubba Purdy kind of uh, discussion because where does Logan fall into all this? Because now here we are on June sixth. And how are we feeling about Chubba Purdy, Logan Smothers after the spring game, and of course Casey Thompson as well? Who's number two on that depth chart? Let's we'll kind of discuss that as well. Um, and then I also want to dive into. We'll be joined by Steve Mark of Hill Varsity here in about twenty minutes or so. He's going to join, um, talk about this past weekend. How important is it that Nebraska is the landing spot for a guy like Malachi Coleman? Not only because of him being in close proximity, but just a talent-wise. Because I feel like Nebraska, Malachi Coleman's hundred and sitting around that 130 player, best player in the country in, in recruiting rankings, according to 24-7 Sports. You expect that to skyrocket because we're all expecting that to, him to have a, a pretty good season this year for, for the Spartans. So do we expect, I mean, how, how big is it going to be for Nebraska if they're able to obtain the commitment and eventually the signing of of Malachi Coleman. They also had 13 guys come to campus this past weekend on official visits just by themselves. So I'm kind of interested to to hear Steve's thoughts. He was at the 7-on-7 camp. I want to talk to him about a little about Casey Thompson as well. And then this might be kind of weird, but I want to get to your guys's or I want to tell you guys about the Lincoln Salt Dogs a little bit. I, I was texting back and forth with Michael Dixon, the, the play-by-play guy, the voice of the Salt Dogs earlier this afternoon. I was going to have him on at 7.30 tonight to talk about the Salt Dogs who are 14-11 and 11 on the year. However, they've been on kind of a road trip, and he was he was honest with me. He's like, yo, Nick, like I'm just under the weather because road trips have gotten to me. Um, we've had a couple slowdowns and delays with road trips and bus problems. And when he said that, and when I've seen it on Twitter, I'm sitting here thinking that is exactly the definition of minor league slash independent baseball because it's not glamorous. These guys are getting paid next to nothing, especially in independent ball. These guys are getting paid next to nothing to play baseball. And at the collegiate level, it's almost comparable to junior college. And so I kind of want to dive into that a little bit because when, when you think about junior college baseball, it's those guys that wake up at 5:45 in the morning and they have to go they have to go rake their fields. They have to go take care of everything, pull the tarps off. If it's raining that night, they got to put put the tarps on after practice. Like they those are the guys that play baseball literally because they just want to play baseball. And so that's why there's a lot of respect there. Um you're it's not glamorous. Juco guys aren't getting a ton of NIL deals. Um and that's where I, a lot of a lot of guys that eventually make it to the big leagues are JUCO guys. A couple guys on Nebraska's roster have been uh, JUCO guys. Griffin Everett's one of them right now who has his name in the draft. Um, another one from Pi or from uh, Lincoln area, uh, Michael Hellman is a guy from Lincoln Pius X who graduated Pius a couple years before I did, and he went to Hutch, 
Hutchinson Community College, which is a top-notch baseball program. A couple guys from Southwest High School have gone there over the recent years, and Sartori being one of them for Nebraska. And Hellman, excuse me, went to Hutch, then went to Texas A&M, got drafted by the Twins out of Texas A&M as an infielder, has now made the transition to outfield, and he's in the AAA. He just got called up about a week ago to the AAA pro, uh, program out in St. Paul, the St. Paul Saints for the Minnesota Twins. So, um, really interesting stuff. Uh, I kind of want to see a Nebraska connection between uh, minor leaguers because a guy like Alex Bohm is um, Alex Bohm, excuse me, is in the Phillies organization from Omaha area, got drafted, and from Wichita State. And, and is still in the in the big leagues. So I'm, I want to kind of go into that because that's not a conversation that we have a lot of times is minor leaguers from Nebraska and Juco guys. How did they, their their story, their journey, things like that. But more importantly, the Salt Dogs, like I mentioned, are 14 and 11 this season. They've lost five of their last six um, and they, they host the first place Chicago Dogs and their 15 and six record uh, starting tomorrow night at Haymarket Park. So I kind of want to talk about the Salt Dogs a little bit. All right, Harrison, I know you're an NBA guy. So once again, 402-464-5685. How are we feeling about the NBA Finals? They've been awesome. I, I really? Like, yeah, I think Even so. last night's game. Yeah, it was, it, I mean, it's still a great game. I mean, they were tight, like pretty close going into halftime. I think Celtics were only down by maybe four going mm-hmm. into half. Yeah. Um, and it's still a great game to watch. I mean, if you're upset about the blowouts – they're not. I mean, that first game, game one, Celtics Warriors, it, it it was tight all the way, and then the fourth quarter, just an offensive explosion from the Celtics. Yeah, and like I don't. I mean, it was the fourth quarter late game. It was incredible to watch. Like watching Al Horford's comeback story, him dropping twenty six points, being the leading scorer, super fun. So, and if I know everyone kind of gets mad about the defense, saying there's no defense anymore, it's just like not true. Those are two pretty elite well, defenses, and they just hound each other. Well, the, the Celtics had the best perimeter or best overall defense throughout the regular season, and that's mm-hmm. why there was such a great storyline going into this finals is because you had the Celtics, who were the best defense in the league, and the Warriors, who may be, one, may be the best um, offense. They definitely share the basketball the most out of everybody. Uh, they lead it. There was some statistic. Uh, it's like touch-pass rate, and it's basically how quick they get the ball out of their hands and how often they pass it. It's a stat that culminates everything there. It's super interesting stuff um, if you want, really want to dive deep into the analytics. And the Warriors led the NBA in most touches in a single possession and and just sharing the ball, assists, things like that. So that's why one, one of the great storylines heading into the NBA Finals was the Celtics and the Defensive Player of the Year, obviously, and Marcus Smart, and the matchups going up against the Warriors. And... What's crazy about Game 1 is you have a guy in Jason Tatum who was the Eastern Conference Player of the Year, or Eastern Conference uh, MVP. Yeah, there you go. And you went into Game 1 with all this excitement and anticipation that he's going to be a big role in this thing, and he is. But then he goes out and he has a pretty disappointing Game 1. Al Horford, like you said, drops 26 points, I believe. Um, And you have some guys off the bench like Derek White who have played key roles this entire playoffs for for the Boston Celtics. Yeah, even guys like Pritchard. That yes. You don't really think of Pritchard. I mean, he was pretty cold last night, but another guy that can just step in there uh, plays pretty good defense. He can mm-hmm. definitely be a lot more playable. In that Miami series, it just wasn't going to happen with Jimmy Butler, no. Bam, out there. But this series, he's got shorter guards on him. He, you can actually plug and play him. Yeah, and, it's – go ahead. 
Yeah, and then you get, like I said, talking about Al Horford, I mean, I did not think going into this series that I'd value Al Horford more than Draymond Green. Draymond Green's mm-hmm. kind of fallen off a little bit. That three-point shot, ever since he had those injuries, I mean, his three-point shot's just been tanking. He's kind of a offensive liability out there. He's still a good playmaker. His defense is pretty good. Um, I kind of want to talk to you about that. Did you see that uh, second technical that they were mm-hmm. thinking about giving, thinking about giving him injection? Uh-uh. So he basically was just kind of him and Jalen Brown went to the ground. They didn't, they started kind of grabbing each other. He like kind of pulled down his shorts, just Draymond green things. Yeah. Trying to get in the other guy's head. And uh, I, I did see, cause then I saw, I saw Jason Tatum commit a foul on the inbound. Yep. Yep. Kay. And then um, it's kind of interesting. The ref after, you know how they have the uh, like standby announcer yep. ref kind of talk about what the decision should be. He actually, I don't know if he meant to say this, but he said, you do consider if they have one tech, even if it is detect, you give it or not wow. for an ejection. So, well, how do you do? You think it's just be like an automatic ejection? Because I think you can't be doing that. I mean, <laughs> that should just be an ejection. Yeah, you like, shouldn't consider it. Yeah, that's the thing is because you're taking out um, whether or not. I mean, that's affecting the game in my opinion because you you're either you're letting them play more physical than the ex- other guys. Exactly, exactly. You're changing better. you're changing the rules or the standard of what's allowed within the confines of of the the baselines. On whether or not it's allowed, and, and so you're saying that just because he has one technical and you don't want to boot him, yeah. that you're going to allow him to basically, you're that, gonna, which is, yeah, that's not that's not correct. But yeah, it, we, we've heard things like that before, where it's you know you, there's other things that are taken into account, and especially with the NBA, unfortunately, we've we've heard that before. Okay, so we got this on the text line 402-464-5685. Uh Bryce asks this: What was the Celtics' average points per game this season? Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. I'll have that in a second. So I, I found a couple stats here. This comes from NBA.com. For some reason, it doesn't have the entire season altogether. If I wanted to do some addition, I, I could. and But to not take the time. So in wins, Boston is averaging about 110 points per game. In losses, they're averaging 99.7. So with that in mind, just split it right down the middle, say 105. It's, a, it's 110.8. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Harrison. So 110 points per game for the the Celtics, which is not too bad. But uh, Bryce adds this. Yeah, tell me the NBA is corrupt without telling me the NBA is corrupt. That's unfortunate. And, and you also hear the there's always those little stats or, or little plugs where when this official is officiating the game, Chris Paul hasn't won a game. Like, yeah. I can't remember who which official that was. But I know, like, Scott Foster was like a big deal with the Miami and Boston series. And so you always have those little storylines or precursors before the game is even played. And so then you go into the game as an NBA fan. If I would call myself an NBA casual fan to where I don't really have a a certain team. Like, yes, I like the Bulls because I'm kind of a Chicago guy. And I, as sad as it is to say, showing my youth, I started watching the NBA when Derek, Derek Rose was coming up with the bulls yeah the youngest MVP. Ex- exactly exactly that's when i started watching plus i've told this story when it when it uh matters with the cubs it, same thing pertains to why i started watching the bulls we didn't have past channel 23 on our tv didn't have espn and what what nba game could you find that wasn't on sunday afternoon but on just a normal weeknight wgn america and it was the bulls and it was the bulls versus heat like that that's one of the the earliest games that i remember is is seeing the the chicago bulls play the the miami heat or whoever the bulls were hosting at the united center yeah that was a great era too that was when they had joe kim noah yes too, when he yes was in his noah prime. boozer yeah um kirk heinrich was part of that team oh, yeah, that's kirk right. heinrich, and people people forget about kirk heinrich unfortunately 
And, and Kirk Heinrich was was a three point sharpshooter uh, for a while there. Let's see who else did they have on that. So that would have been what year did uh, Rose win his MVP? Which was twenty eleven. Uh, yeah, twenty eleven, maybe even twenty ten. Okay, maybe it was twenty ten. So Chicago Bulls, it would be twenty ten roster. Just to go back in time here. Oh, I pulled up the Blackhawks. I didn't put the Bulls. All right, Chicago Bulls, 2010 roster. Luol Deng, how could we forget? Kyle Korver's part of that team. Um, yeah, this is this is bringing up some memories. Taj Gibson. Yeah, we oh, talked yeah. about it. Carlos Boozer, Keith Bogans. Um, yeah, there was a lot of lot of good ones on uh, – that's interesting stuff. All right, once again, 402-464-5685. But once again, back to the – Back to the NBA Finals before we got to take a break here. Once again, we'll be joined by Steve Mark of Hale Varsity here in a couple minutes. Talk some Husker football and a little bit of Husker women's basketball because they added a new staff member today as well. So back to the NBA Finals. Boston wins game one. They they hold Curry scoreless in the second quarter of game one, which mm-hmm. after his six three-pointers in the first quarter. And if, what was it? What did... Jason Tatum shoot like three for seventeen or something like that. Yeah, he had a pretty rough game. So he had a really, but he didn't need to. His assist. Exactly. I thought it was a good game. I was watching it. I know the numbers don't look good, but like their assist ratio and like he was doing a pretty good job of like kind of stepping away. So like yep. it was a weird thing to look at. But honestly, I thought that was a pretty good game so from Tatum. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I was telling Rico this off the air a couple days ago is that Jason Tatum doesn't need to drop thirty five points, or you don't worry about him shooting. What was it at half? Like two of eight yeah. at half. Um, he finished three of seventeen, one of five from beyond the arc on for game one. Finished eight of nineteen in game two, six of nine from beyond the arc. Finished with twenty eight points in uh, last night's loss. But I was telling Rico this immediately at halftime. You're concerned about him only having whatever it was, two points or eight points at half or whatever of game one. But then you keep going down the stat line and you see all the assists that he has. And like you said, Harrison, finishes with 13 assists. And when guys like Al Horford or Derek White or um, insert Marcus Smart started yeah. hot in game one from beyond the arc, when Marcus Smart has a shot, you don't need Jason Tatum to drop 35 points. Yeah, especially as, get those as guys long going. as he's still involved in some regard. And, and in game one, he was. And luckily for the Celtics, they found a way to limit the three-point shot from Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole. Um, like we mentioned it, Draymond Green kind of has just been throwing up bricks. They've been able to they were able to limit it in game one, and that was a huge win. Like I, I think looking back on this, at the end of the series, if Boston pulls out somehow, some way, and, and Harrison, I know you took Boston, but I, I'm I'm still going with the Warriors, but if somehow, some way the, the Celtics pull out this series and they win a finals. We're going to be looking back on that game one going, number one, it's ginormous that they won on the road and they were able to take one game from from the Chase Center in San Fran, which I never thought there was a chance. Yeah, I they was were ex- down bad. They were exactly. down by, I think, 18 points, and they came roaring Going back. into the fourth quarter, you yeah, were down. Tough environment. Yes, too. exactly. Chase Center in San Fran with, with a team that shares the ball and, and plays the best team basketball in the entire league. You're down big at at the end, uh, going into the fourth quarter, and then you just explode in the final 12 minutes of play. It, it's really unbelievable. And so if they somehow pull this out, we're going to be looking back and going, that might have been the most important game, not even the game that they clinched or the two that they win in Boston, if they win two in Boston, if they're able to. It's going to be look back on game one because um, they, they somehow some way went into the Chase Center in game one of a series that nobody really gave them any chance 
and they they stole it from a, a group of guys that has a lot of finals experience. Al Horford has a lot of NBA experience, NBA finals experience. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond, all those guys. Steve Kerr too. Steve I mean, Kerr. eight rings all exactly. by himself, player and coach. Exactly. Like that's that's more experience than anybody on the Celtics right now. So um, I always say that. I mean, in today's game, three point separation is the key. And are you able to limit the other team's three pointers and convert on yours? And on whatever night it was, Thursday night was that the game first game, Thursday night. Game one, Boston was able to do that. Last night, a little bit different. Yeah, it's um, tough when they're making half-court threes, too. Exactly. And that's just going to happen. That's that's kind of people's biggest beef with the NBA. Sometimes you just there's no light at the end of the tunnel when teams are that hot. But it's yeah. it's not going to stay like that. Uh, but, yeah, if you are if you think you know who's going to win this series, I mean, I think you're just lying to yourself. It, that's why this is finals is so fun. It is yeah. it is really hard to pick right now, especially the, like the last two games we've watched. All we know is that the Warriors in the third quarter always come out red hot, yep. and it's kind of up to the Celtics if they can bear that storm. I mean, the Warriors since, I think, 2014, ever since Steve Kerr got hired, they've been the best third quarter team every single year except for that year when like Steph and Clay and Draymond were all sitting out but otherwise they're always the best third quarter team every year what are your thoughts on that I mean do you feel like this is how I feel watching the games is especially in the first quarter and I guess the only quarter I didn't feel like this was the fourth quarter of game one was that Boston is just trying to hang on or hang around and just hoping that the Warriors start shooting really cold uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm saying hanging around because they're still trying to get their offense going. I think they have an idea on defense. It's like, yeah, we're just going to try it. It's hard to do when Draymond, you know, it's not getting called for moving yeah. screens and whatnot. That's their biggest problem, but they're much taller, so they're just going to kind of shadow, try to get on your sides and not necessarily contest you on the front, but go over that screen and get that swipe from the side. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're trying to, you know, stay afloat. Their offense has proven it's just as powerful. Even though they lost game two, three-point percentage-wise, I think, they were like just just Close right by him. Yeah, I mean, so it's not like they're getting shot out of the gym or anything. Um, it's really just who's shooting higher efficiency inside the paint. They're they're both killing it from three point range, and it's proven. Celtics done it. And that's how they beat the Bucks. They can they can hit threes too. Once again, uh, series is tied at one game apiece after the Warriors even the series last night. Um, next game will be on Wednesday. Uh, from Boston, it's weird. They they've given off, or I, I don't know if it's because they have to fly cross country every single time, or it's it's two days off in between every game, and the games don't start until eight p.m. So the rest of the games yep. for the rest of the series won't start until eight p.m. Central Time. So that'll be nine p.m. Time Boston. So if you are in Boston and you're going to that game or watching that game, it's basically nine p.m. for them every single time out for now. And that's just a super late game, and I don't. I'm not I don't sure know. Why it landed I, that way. I don't, I don't like the schedule. Like, I, I understand. I understand. I guess the games that may be out in the on the west west coast, if you want to start them at that time, because think about it, eight p.m. Central Time means six p.m. their time yeah. in, in San Francisco. So I kind of understand that, but man, it feels like you're really screwing over the people in Boston or, or the people just on the East Coast because they're watching. They're having to wait all day. Until 9 p.m. to start watching a game, that game doesn't get over till near midnight. Yeah, you're and then you gotta get up. like it's gonna be it's gonna be brutal. I, I don't even want to know traffic in Boston after that game. Like it's it, people are getting home late. Um, I know Strix thinking about heading out to Boston for an NBA Finals game, so maybe we'll see get some live reports there. All right, let's go ahead 
and take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Steve Mark of Hale Varsity. Talk all things Husker football with him. Once again, no Nicole Griffith tonight. Um, we'll have one-on-one with DP replayed later this evening as well as Sunday morning pancakes following that to take you through the rest of your Monday night in case you missed any of those. However, we'll talk Husker football, a little Husker women's basketball, and who knows, maybe some even regional action as Arkansas and Oklahoma State are underway. Ticket weeknights with Nicole Griffith. However, no Nicole, Nick and Harrison hanging out with you on a Monday. We'll be right back on the ticket. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Back to the Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here's your host, Nicole Griffin. All right, back here. No uh, Nicole Griffith tonight. Normally I'm doing the show with her. However, she is out of town at a wedding, so... Flying solo, but Harrison's also here with me. Um, I've mentioned in the first segment, right when we started the show, college baseball regionals, insane. And this thing is like, it's it's a year after year thing. If you're a Nebraska baseball fan, you remember a couple years ago, Trevor Boone of Oklahoma State hit just a demoralizing home run uh, to left field to walk or to, to beat Nebraska end up beating Nebraska off of Colby Gomez when Colby Gomez was a freshman down in Oklahoma State. Hit just a moonshot uh, at Bricktown a couple years ago. Then you have the whole heartbreak of just Nebraska falling last year to Arkansas. Well, just to kind of update you guys, so Maryland is the 15th seed in the country right now. They hit a home run in the top of the first inning. In the bottom of the first, UConn puts up a sixth spot. And now they are winning 6-1 to one over the Terrapins at Maryland in a winner-take-all game. It's 0-0 between Arkansas and Oklahoma State. Southern missed the 11 seed, and LSU in a winner-take-all game is tied at 7. Oregon State took the lead over Vanderbilt 7-6. to six. The Games are just going bonkers right now. Um, Ole Miss is also up on Arizona 10-5 to five in the top of the sixth inning. Let's go ahead and bring in Steve Mark of Hale Varsity covers all things football, women's basketball, even a little baseball for the folks over there at Hale Varsity. Steve, how's it going? Happy Monday. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, these, uh, these uh, college baseball games are getting kind of out of hand here with these uh, leads going back and forth. If you blink, you're going to miss something. Yeah, did you watch at all? Did you catch any of the Oklahoma State-Arkansas game last night? I didn't, but I saw some of the highlights of that thing, and yeah, you are right. That is just some wild, wild baseball going on. But hey, it's it's enter- some entertaining stuff. I'm I'm all for it. I mean, Oklahoma State has scored 55 runs on their own in the last three games. 55. <laughs> I mean, can you even imagine what that would be like? I mean, they were down 12 to zero to Missouri State a couple days ago, and they ended up winning that very game, 29 to 15. It almost reminds me of like these NBA games where no lead is safe, you know, mm-hmm. you, 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 you get down and you have a deficit, but you, if you, you know, like I said earlier, if you blink, you might miss something and you might miss the comeback here. So yeah, it's, it's a very, very entertaining stuff. Going on with the right now. 
know? Yeah, it's it's absolutely bonkers. Um, and, and not even to mention that, the, I mean, the women's college world series is even going a little crazy. Oklahoma loses today uh, and then ends up bouncing back and beating you that very UCLA team 15-0 to zero, So uh, to advance the championship series. So wild stuff going on all over the place in the sports world. All right, Steve Mark of Hill Varsity joins us. Let's talk a little Husker football. They had a pretty big recruiting weekend this, this past weekend. 13 official visitors on site. I know you were there for the seven-on-seven camp. Outside of Malachi Coleman, did anybody really stand out to you during that that portion of the weekend, I should say? Yeah, well, outside of Malachi, that was kind of hard because, you know, it it was so hard to kind of watch anybody else except Malachi because he he just commands his presence is so huge and he's such a – a, a fun guy to watch and you know is, is um just everything about him is is really fun to watch and and kind of um your eyes just gravitate toward him so uh yeah i mean i wrote something on online at hellvarsity.com just some quick op- observations and i thought it was really interesting um now I, i'm i'm not sure a lot of people are going to really know who this is but glendale high school um from Missouri, from Springfield, Missouri, they came up and and won that dang thing, uh, that wow. seven on seven tournament, and that quarterback that they had. Boy, I had a lot of fun watching him. Um, he was. I looked. I had to look him up because I really didn't know who he was. But uh, yeah, his name is Colt uh, Furbacker. He's from uh, Glendale High School, and boy, he was just picking apart defenses over there. Um, a six foot three right handed quarterback, two thousand mm-hmm. class of two thousand twenty three. So. But yeah, outside of outside of uh, Malachi Coleman, I, I don't think it was it had as much firepower, I guess, as, as last year's seven on seven tournament. Okay. I know uh, it was really cool just to watch JJ Cole, a, a four star class of 2023 uh, quarterback. He's an Iowa State commit right now, but last year um, JJ Cole came in and kind of lit things up at the seven on seven tournament and kind of got got on Nebraska's radar and they um, offered him um, that October, I, I think it was. So. Um, yeah, it's always a fun thing to go to go to and watch these kids ball out. I mean, there's a lot of different opinions, I guess, on seven on seven, and and I get that. But you know, at the end of the day, it's still fun to fun to watch. But man, yeah, uh, Malachi Coleman, um, he he just makes a lot of things look really really easy. Um, when, when a lot of other kids are are kind of like you know trying to get to where he's at, and he's just out there kind of making it look easy. So yeah, it was, it was fun to watch him um, kind of conversate with some of the some of the Husker coaches in there and, and kind of watch, watch that whole thing go down. So, yeah, it, it was kind of hard to see everybody else um, except Malachi yeah. because his star is so bright, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like I've, I've been able, fortunate enough to watch Malachi play quite a bit, doing a lot of play-by-play games for, for Lincoln East and, or for the ticket, but through Lincoln East, I should say. And, I mean, he's, he's a guy that just stands out. I mean, there's always that, that topic that we always talk about how, you can just see that there some guys are just different, and Malachi is one of those guys that just looks different. Um, he he plays different. He's just quicker than everybody else on the field. We we know how big that relationship is between him and Mickey Joseph, but how do we project him at the next level? Are we are we thinking wide receiver, or would he be better suited, kind of coming off the edge um, and and trying to get to the quarterback for Nebraska? Yeah, I guess it depends on who you ask because uh, during his kind of impromptu uh, press conference at a coffee shop after after the seven on seven tournament yep. on Sunday, he said that he's been offered at multiple positions. I mean, some some teams want him at defensive end, others are thinking outside linebacker, some are thinking tight end. A lot of a lot of guys are thinking wide receiver. I think for me, um, just kind of watching him and and uh, just watching his highlights and 
watching a little bit of him um, from practice previously um, over there at Lincoln. He's, I, I, I think I really like him at wide receiver. I mean, yeah. he's just look at the body, look at the frame, six foot five, 185, 190 pounds, and look at the, the track times that he's laying down in the 100, the 200. I think you know he's got a real future um, at, at wide receiver. But I could also see you know putting some pounds on him and seeing how much weight he can carry with that six foot five frame at, at and putting him at outside linebacker and letting him rush the quarterback. I mean that's that's got some real potential too, I think. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where he winds up and, and what position that program sticks him at. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see him um, playing both offense and defense for sure. But, uh, yeah, outside linebacker, wide receiver, I think those will be my top two. We're joined by Steve Mark of Hill Varsity here. Once again, no no Nicole tonight. Nick Sainter with you, hanging out with you on a Monday. Okay, okay speaking with Mal – or talking to, about Malachi, one more, one more question here for you. How – First of all, I guess, how good of a, a feeling do we have if we're a Nebraska fan of our chances to land up Malachi Coleman? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, I think he's, he's playing it smart right now with, with kind of his future and, and what he wants to do. I think he's a real a real smart kid, and, you know, he's he's doing a lot of good things with, like, you know, that, you know, he's growing up, he's going up in this uh, recruiting um, era right now with NIL and everything and he's doing really cool things on that front and you know I think he's a kid that has potential to do a lot of cool things even outside of sports too I mean he's just a very engaging uh, young young guy and I, I really enjoy it but um, yeah in terms of where he's going to end up you know I I think the fact that he said that he's going to wait and uh, wait until um, December to, to make his commitment and you know maybe save a couple of his official visits put, put those in his back pocket I think that uh, kind of tells you that maybe he wants to kind of wait and see how the season goes. I mean, that's that's at least my yeah. my read on it, I, I guess. And, and you know, that's that's smart. That's a good thing to do. Um, but yeah, he's you know, he, he, in that uh, press conference that he was talking with, he he mentioned a lot of uh, good things about some of the other official visitors that that he was um, kind of on the trip with. And Interesting. you know, uh, Omari and Miller was was another one that he kind of talked about. He was a he's a um, former LSU uh, commit that recently decommitted and is thinking about um, entertaining the idea, at least, of coming to Nebraska along with Joshua Manning, Barry Jackson Jr., a couple other receivers, and then that big Jonathan Bohelia, Georgia Tech, uh, Georgia um, commit right yeah. now for, for an offensive lineman. So, um, yeah, he mentioned a lot of good things about and a lot of good things about the visit that they knocked it out of the park. So he's saying a lot of good things that you know, if you're a Husker fan, you like to hear. But at the end of the day, you know him him kind of wanting to wait and see, I think, how the season is going to go. I think that kind of tells you something about, you know, how, how big of a season this is for, for Nebraska's program in general. I was going to say, that's where I was actually going to head next. A couple more before we let you go. We're talking to Steve Mark of Hill Varsity here. Um, in terms of, of Malachi and Maverick Noonan, and they got a commitment from Brock Knudsen today, how big is it or important is it for this for Nebraska as a program to start getting some of the the higher level talent in the state, not just the not, I don't I don't want to say bottom level, but lower lower ranked guys they've been able to you know corral the last couple years. But I mean Malachi is going to be probably a top one hundred and twenty type player before he graduates, and and similar with with you know Maverick Noon, and he's going to be close up there in the in the top two fifty. How important is it for Nebraska as a program to start? getting those guys to come to Lincoln as well. I think it's really important because, you know, like, like I think we talked about uh, before in another interview was, you know, just, you know, in this era right now with the transfer portal and, you know, transfers are 
they're coming in, they're coming out, and, and rosters are just kind of getting flipped every single year. It seems it seems like at a place like Nebraska that that, that might be the case, at least uh, for the next couple of seasons. But at the end of the day, you need you need some in-state guys, some guys who, who really like, who really, you know, enjoy playing for the Huskers and grown up um, Husker fans and have played in this, um, in, have grown up in the Midwest and played here and, and mm-hmm. know about the weather and, and know what, what kind of football is being played here. It's good to have those guys in the program. So, you know, you, you're all, you aren't always kind of, I guess, just, Hoping and hoping and praying that a, a transfer from somewhere else kind of works out a, a one and done guy, um, but you know at at the end of the day you need the Brock Knutsons from Scott's Bluff, you need the Sam Sledges from from exactly. Prep, you know those guys Benjamin Bramers from Pierce, I mean Gunnar Gatulis from Southeast. It's you know you need those type of guys who have been here, who have grown up and have wanted wanted to play for the Huskers from day one, and so I think that that's really important that you start getting um, consistently getting. Um, the guys in your own state and, and obviously kind of the 500 mile radius to, you know, uh, like I, like you mentioned earlier, the Jaden Doss commitment from Kansas city, that's absolutely huge to, to start getting that footprint in Kansas city and maybe even um, St. Louis too. And they're starting to do that with the, the transfer, with the transfer receiver from Texas, Marcus Washington, he's a St. That's Louis right. guy. So um, yeah, just, you know, really, really honing, honing in and, and getting these local guys consistently every season, I think, is really, really going to help the backbone of this program as, as, as kind of something that they can lean on in every single year. And, and you know, and like I said earlier, with this uh, t- new transfer portal, um, it's it's going to be flipping rosters a lot recently. But uh, you know, if they, if you can just kind of hone in and and get these in-state guys every every single year, it's it's going to pay off in the long run. I think for building a program. Steve, we, we usually talk about once a week or so, if if not just a little longer apart from that. But I feel like I ask you this question almost every time, so I apologize for being repetitive. But, I mean, Nebraska, you talk about the transfer portal. We, I think we both agree that Nebraska might not be done in the portal, but where do you think they could add some more guys? I mean, everybody wants to hear offensive line and, and in the trenches when you're at Nebraska – but where do you think that they might add some guys if if they are not done in the portal? I should say. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Offensive line is kind of the big one, but at at this point, you know, with, with so many coming uh, coming and going right now, I just don't know the quality that is out there left. Interesting. Uh, I'm I just not I'm not sure on that yet. But man, um, you, you look you look around like at the at Nebraska's roster, the running back situation, I think they're okay there. They have some three solid options and, you know, they might all play at least to, to start the season. And, but, uh, you know, they just gained another a, a wide receiver with Marcus Washington for mm-hmm. sure. And, you know, the tight end situation is looking okay, I guess. Of course, you'd like to have Thomas Fedoni out there, but it looks like we're going to have to wait again um, to see his kind of uh, debut. Um, so I don't know, I guess, you know, they, they, they kind of shored up the problems that they had on the interior defensive line. And obviously they, they added Oshawn Mathis um, on the edge. Uh, we're looking good at a middle linebacker, I think with Luke Reimer and, and assuming he's coming off on 100% from his, from his surgery this off season and, and Nick Henrik and, you know, the corners, the DB spots are, are kind of up, up for grabs right now, aside from Quentin Newsom at corner. So boy, I don't, I don't know. I, <laughs> if I had to guess, I'd say I, I'd, I'd maybe take another um, interior interior D lineman. Um, wow! Just you know, uh, looking with Devin Drew, at, Devin Drew and Stephon Wynn Jr. are really good pickups, I think. Um, but you know, I, I would just like to have a little bit more depth 
depth and uh, maybe give Ty Robinson some more help. But yeah, I, I like I said, I, I like the pickups of Stephon Wynn Jr. and, mm-hmm. and Devin Drew to help out Ty Robinson there. All right, Steve, uh, I want to I want to switch gears, go over to Nebraska women's basketball for a moment before we let you go. We're joined by Steve Mark of Hale Varsity. They uh, announced the hiring of Jessica Keller this afternoon. Um, she spent five years as an assistant at Illinois State. And this obviously comes after Chuck Love has decided to resign or move on from the program after a couple of years of associate head coach under Amy Williams. This this offseason's kind of been, I wouldn't say a tumultuous one, but it's been one with, with quite a bit of movement. Obviously, Ruby Porter heads back to Australia. Michael Caton heads up to Minnesota, is going to play a year at Minnesota. Uh, Whitney Brown transfers to Fort Hayes State. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a couple. Oh, obviously, Ashley Scoggins moved on. She announced her commitment to another program a couple of weeks ago as well, or maybe just last week. But how different is this team going to look, and how should Nebraska fans maybe feel about Husker women's basketball going into next season with, with quite a few changes after, I mean, they, they made the NCAA tournament, so it was definitely not a failure of a season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, so if you're looking at the starting five, you're not going to see much, much different because they're all coming back. That's true. But, um, if you're, if you're looking at, if you're looking at behind them and the depth, which is also very important, especially in a, a conference like the big 10, that's going to look a little, a little different because, you know, Bella Cravens, she transferred to TCU. And, right. and I think I really like Bella Cravens. Um, I think she provided a, a, a toughness to the team and an edge, you know, you shoot, she kind of wasn't afraid to kind of get in there and, and, and not say throw some elbows, but just, you know, be, be a little bit physical. And I think you absolutely need a, a kind of a forward, a, a player like Bella Cravens, but, you know, she has moved on, moved on to TCU. And, you know, if you look at who's going to be playing behind um, Alexis Markowski and Izzy Bourne, they're, you know, I, I'm not, I don't really know what to tell you right now. I, I think it's going to be Annika Stewart, but, you know, we, we know that Annika Stewart's kind of a knockdown shooter. And, you know, despite her uh, 6'3 um, size, she likes to – she's a jump shooter. She's a knockdown jump shooter, but she doesn't really, um, I guess, excel, I guess, in the paint. That's really just not her game. She, she's more comfortable outside and kind of further away from the basket. So if I'm Amy Williams, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, backcourt of, you know, Alexis Markowski, Izzy Bourne, they're back. That's great. They're going to be starting. Um, but, you know, behind them – and, and behind Annika Stewart, where, where's the toughness going to come from, right? Where's the, where's the kind of inside game? Where's the, who's going to get the tough, the tough points inside the paint? That's, that's what I'm kind of wondering about right now because, you know, the front court's looking good. you got Sam Hybe coming back for another year. Jazz Shelley, we all know um, the excellent season that she had. Allison Widener um, proved that she could play as a true freshman at this level. So those are all great. Kendall Moriarty's coming back too. Um, she, she, she'll come off the bench and, and provide some minutes, some good minutes for, for Amy Williams. But, yeah, behind Alexis Markowski and Izzy Bourne and, and Annika Stewart, I'm kind of wondering where that toughness is going to come from because, you know, Alexis can't play the whole game. Izzy can't play the whole game. So mm-hmm. I'm just wondering um, where, where that toughness, where the edge, um, where the size, I guess, is going to come back when those when Alexis and Izzy have to, have to uh, sit on the bench. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a really interesting season. They, they have a whole uh, starting five coming back, but they, they bring in a really kind of interest, interesting transfer, I guess, and Maddie, and Maddie Kroll, uh, a two-year starter. She started all of her games at South Dakota. I think it was 35 straight games that she started. She's wow. going to be an excellent glue, glue player, I think, a local, local product from Millard South. Um, and then also a couple incoming freshmen, 
uh, Callan Hake from Minnesota, and then Maggie Mendelson, who's obviously uh, playing volleyball too. So, but she's a six foot five athlete who, you know, can maybe provide some things on defense. But you know, we're we're just not really sure when in the season she's gonna um, join the team um, as as she's a volleyball player also. So I was gonna, uh, say- yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. Um, they have a lot of good parts coming back, but obviously need need to. Uh, kind of figure out the backcourt situation there behind Alexis and Izzy. I was going to say, do we do we know how that whole thing is going to kind of shake out with Maggie <laughs> and, and when she? I mean, there's obviously that overlap there, but do we do we have any idea or when will we find out? Yeah, I, I actually I don't right That's now. That's what I figured. I, I'm kind of wondering that myself because I I have no idea uh, kind of what what John Cook's uh, opinion on that is and and how long the volleyball team is is going to get her, I, I, I assume, like, for the for a whole season. But then, like, you know, mm-hmm. there's got to be a transition period from, from playing volleyball to getting into basketball shape, too. So it's just going to be really interesting to kind of to kind of follow. And, and, you know, whenever we get a get some um, interview time with uh, Amy Williams, we'll definitely ask, ask that about Maggie. So, but, yeah, definitely an interesting um, athletic kind of addition that they, that they got for the volleyball and basketball team. Awesome. All right, Steve. Hey, appreciate you coming on late notice. I, I appreciate it big time, and you even stayed a couple minutes longer, so I hope we didn't keep you from anything too too special or too hard-pressed tonight. No, you definitely did it. Thank All you right. for having yeah. me on there. Appreciate it. That's Steve Mark of Hale Varsity. Good stuff, as always. Love love our chats. Um, really good stuff with, with Steve. All right, I don't want to go to break quite yet because we're going to run up close against the top of the hour when we would come back from a commercial break. So we'll just go ahead and stay all the way through the uh, top of the hour here or the bottom of the hour, I should say. Really interesting stuff from Steve. As he was saying that if they do, Nebraska that is, decide to go somewhere in the transfer portal, he, he was thinking another interior defensive lineman. And, and with that in mind, that kind of raised, personally for me, raised an eyebrow because – you sit here in, in the defensive line and you look at it, and, and in talking about guys that just have scholarships, at that defensive tackle position, now there's obviously some conversation of, of going 3-4 versus 4-3, and, and without Damian Daniels, how, how do you feel about Nebraska going in a 3-4 set, even though they've you know swapped and they've played both styles in previous years in the same season? But you look at this interior defensive tackle room, and prior, I should say, to Devin Wynn or Devin Drew and Stephon Wynn Jr., you had three guys due to Jordan Riley leaving and following Tony Tuioti at Oregon and Casey Rogers doing the same thing. And and obviously with that with the you know the loss of Damian Daniels who signed undrafted free agent deal with the Texans and and DeAndre Thomas no longer part of the program, you had three guys in Nash Hutmacher, Jalen Weaver, and Marquise Black. So then you go out, if you're Nebraska staff, and do a great job of using the portal like they usually do, and they grab Devin Drew and Stephon Wynn Jr. And you say, okay, Nebraska, nice job. You figure out a way to grab some better talent, Devin Drew being a guy who's a senior and has one year left of eligibility, came from Texas Tech where he had some some experience. Yes, it's the Big 12. How comparable are the Big 12 and the Big Ten in, in physicality-wise, I mean, that's definitely a topic of conversation. But then you also go out and get a guy like Stephon Wynn Jr., who may be a little raw, needs to de- be developed a little bit more, but comes from a place like Alabama where you really can't blame a guy for not being able to play because you could be a four-star or high or high four-star or, or a five-star recruit even and just get beat out by another dude that's just better than you. And so you sit here and go, hmm, I wonder how you feel 
if you are in Nebraska's defensive line room, um, if you're a member of it. If Marquise Black is here, what's he thinking? Just at the beginning of the offseason, I was going to have an opportunity to play. Or Jalen Weaver is in that boat as well. And now they might have to go get three guys out of the portal? Heck, even Nash Hutmacher. I'm not, I, I don't have any inside information, and I'm not saying that they're questioning it, but what if he's going, hey, man, what happened? I was supposed to be the dude on the defensive line, and Nash very well still could be. And maybe that's what Nebraska has been missing, is guys in the, the younger guys being able to fight and, and compete for a starting job. And, and with that in mind, not saying that the guys, the, the, you know, the depth guys haven't been able to have the opportunity, but have they just been good enough? I, I think that's maybe the question that we need to ask, is if they've been good enough, the, the sophomores or the redshirt freshmen that, that have had some experience in practice necessarily, have they been good enough to really give the guys that are older whether or not they have game experience at Nebraska, are they have they been good enough to actually push those guys to compete for the starting job? And if not, then it goes back to the whole question or, or conversation of development versus player fault, I think, personally. I want to dive into this a little bit deeper, uh, especially after Steve just said that about interior defense linemen. I, I think that's really interesting because personally for me, I would have went to offensive line, and I kind of hinted at that when I was asking Steve that question because I, I don't need to, we don't need to get into Adrian Martinez, but Nebraska's quarterback was pressured 42% on 42% of his dropbacks last year, which is the most in the country. 42% of the time that Adrian Martinez or Nebraska's quarterback, because remember, Adrian Martinez was banged up last year, 42% of the time, Nebraska's quarterback was pressured. And if you look at Nebraska's offensive line, they added Hunter Anthony and they added Kevin Williams Jr., but they lost a second-round pick in Cam Jurgens. So how do we feel about that? Where are we thinking the center job? How is that one going to shake out? We'll kind of dive into all that. Dive deeper. 402-464-5685. Bipolar in all caps. Text into the show. Down goes Vandy. Oh, Southern Miss just beats just beat uh, LSU as well, eight to seven. So Southern Miss punches their ticket to the Super Regional as well. But in the Michigan Louisville game, Michigan was up nine to seven in the in one of the final innings, and a replay, it was called safe on the field. On the replay, man, it looks like the guy is tagged out at second, and they upheld it and called it safe. Louisville ended up scoring four runs in that inning, and Michigan lost eleven to nine. So, I, I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. A um, couple other finals: Eastern East Carolina beat Coast Carolina thirteen to four. Oklahoma and Florida are still in a rain delay, and Arkansas and Oklahoma State are knotted at zero right now. UConn's still up on Maryland six to one in the top of the third. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll be back with the seven o'clock hour coming up in a couple minutes on Ticket Weeknights on ninety three seven The Ticket. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.